the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both the master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. And just so you'll know, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years on this planet, even before I went to law school, fighting for the economic empowerment of women, persons of color, seniors, and veterans. And you know, speaking of veterans... I'd be remiss if I didn't take a moment to share with my uh, those of you who have been impacted my deepest condolences with the families, friends, and loved ones of the 13 U.S. brave service members who were killed and their 18 comrades in arms who were wounded after a suicide bomber detonated an explosion near the Karzai International Airport in Afghanistan on Thursday, August the 26th, 2021. I also want to extend my condolences to the family, friends, and loved ones of the scores of Afghan citizens who were also killed and injured. I wish all, I wish them all, I wish you all um, Godspeed and um, that their new iteration, those who passed on, uh, that they'll enjoy spending time with our Creator, and those who are injured, I wish them a speedy recovery. And to the rest of our servicemen and women, no matter where you are, all over the world, I pray that God keep watch over you and that you continue to stand guard protecting all of our freedoms by saying, this will defend Semper Fidelius, not self but country. Aim high, fly Fight, win, Semper Prevaeus, and Semper Supers. Going back to my um, my presentation. Now, because of my training, my experiences, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and wealth creation and wealth preservation and wealth transfer and the roles that these particular aspects of the social science of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. And I also practice debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and, of course, taxation law. 
And I'm proud to say that as part of my practice, I sometimes have the opportunity to at least attempt to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors as we find ourselves more and more the targets and sometimes the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse you can imagine. So I'm coming to you again today to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help that I think you need if you have a legal issue that intersects with your finances or your other assets. Now, this week we're going to peel off from our pending and ongoing discussion surrounding my admonition that perhaps those of us who want to see our 11 million neighbors, that is to say our brothers and sisters in Christ or whomever or whatever we believe in, who are facing evictions, stay in their homes and not be kicked to the curb in the middle of a pandemic, that we should perhaps cast our gaze away from Washington, D.C., and focus our gaze and our advocacy towards our state and local governmental officials and units who are charged with distributing the $47 billion with the B in congressionally appropriated and presidentially approved rental assistance funding in order to light a fire under the behinds of these bureaucrats and help them move that money through the tenants and onto the mostly mom-and-pop landlords who need these funds to in turn pay their mortgages so they won't be foreclosed upon and in turn be able to continue to house our brothers and sisters in Christ who need these tenant units to stay away from and have a place to live while we face this terrible pandemic. However, instead of examining what might be causing the holdup in distributing the $47 billion with the B by examining the rental assistance programs in the three states that I have connection with and that I've gone to the trouble of reviewing and identifying what I believe are some of the bottlenecks or the constipation, as I sometimes call it, This week, I think it's important that I bring you up to date on another prong of this ongoing nationwide landlord-tenant problem by sharing a bit of bad news about a decision made by the United States Supreme Court on Thursday, August the 26, 2021, in the matter of Alabama Association of Realtors at Al versus the United States Department of Health and Human Services at Al. Uh, The matter was currently pending in the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, case number 20-CV-3377-DLF. In that matter, the Supreme Court decided to lift the stay on and effectively ending or ended the CDC's eviction moratorium that was in turn keeping our 11 million brothers and sisters and their children in Christ uh, or whom or whatever we believe in who were facing eviction in the middle of this pandemic that has stepped up its 
velocity as to the contagiousness uh, of this COVID-19 in the form of this Delta variant, which unfortunately may just be the first of many new and more robust variants of COVID-19 that we all will face in the coming months and years. So here's the deal. As reported by and in on the Bloomberg Terminal by Greg Shore uh, on the 27th of August, his caption, his headline is Supreme Court Scraps Biden Eviction Protection for Tenants. Uh, He goes on to say a divided U.S. Supreme Court lifted the Biden administration's moratoria on evictions, ending protections for millions of people who have fallen behind on their rent during the COVID-19 pandemic. Saying landlords were suffering irreparable harm, the conservative-controlled court ruled late Thursday that the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention lacked authority to impose the moratorium under the decades-old federal law the agency was invoking. The decision comes amidst a spike of COVID cases around the country. It would be one thing if Congress had specifically authorized the action that the CDC had taken, but that has not happened, the court said in an unsigned opinion. It strains credulity for or to believe that this statute grants the CDC the sweeping authority it asserts. Uh, Now, the White House Secretary Jen Pesky, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing your name right, said the administration was disappointed in the decision crediting the CDC's eviction moratorium for saving lives. As a result of the ruling, families will face the painful impact of evictions and communities across the country will face greater risk of exposure to COVID-19, Pansky said in a statement late Thursday night. Now, the liberal justices who are Stephen Breyer, Elena Kagan, and Sonia Sotomayor dissented, faulting the court for deciding the issue without full briefing and full argument. Uh, The public interest strongly favors respecting the CDC's judgment at this moment when over 90% of the counties are expecting high transmission rates, Breyer wrote for that particular group. That figure is the highest it has been since at least last winter. Now, that's a summary of the court's ruling. So, but because I've heard from young people who listen to this show who always want to know what it's like to be a lawyer and what is it that lawyers really do, I thought I would focus in on the majority's rationale for coming up with this ruling and why they decided it. And although I don't agree with the decision, I come down on the side of the liberal justices, I think it's important that we understand why courts make the decisions that they make and understand what they base their rationale on. And so I'm not going to read the whole decision, but I want to focus on why it is the majority, the conservatives thought that the uh, stay should be lifted. And they 
they do a good job of explaining their rationale. So um, that's what we're going to do when we come back. But first, we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. Before we took our break, we were examining the Supreme Court's rationale for ruling against the CDC in favor of the realtors and landlords in the matter of Alabama Association of Realtors at All versus the United States Department of Human Services at All on the matter of the application to vacate the stay. And this ruling was let on August 26, 2021. Now, to reiterate where things stood as of yesterday or Thursday before the uh, Supreme Court made its ruling. Remember now, this all came about because on August 3rd, 2021, President Biden instructed the Center for Disease Control and Prevention to reinstitute a narrower, more focused, more targeted nationwide moratorium on evictions that was to last until October 3rd, 2021. And that was in the wake of the June 30, 2021 Supreme Court decision in Alabama Association of Realtors versus the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services that was pending before the United States District Court for the District of Columbia. Now, that case was presided over by District Court Judge Dabney L. Friedrichs, who ruled that the CDC, uh, a subunit of the Health and Human Services Department, lacked the constitutional or statutory authority to implement a nationwide eviction moratorium. However, she put her own ruling on hold to give the executive branch the opportunity to appeal the decision to the next higher court in her hierarchy. That was the D.C. District Court, the Circuit Court. And, uh, however, uh, in response, the landlords filed an appeal and they went to the D.C. Circuit Court directly. So uh, let me back up. Judge Friedrich put her decision, she ruled on the merits of the case, but she put that on on, uh, on hold, the stay on hold to give the government the chance to get her decision overruled, her substantive decision. But in the meantime, the landlords went to the district court to get the stay lifted. So uh, as, as some of you have, have, have been confused by what, what is going on. So there's, there's two parts to this ruling. There is the substantive ruling, that is to say, uh, Judge Friedrich said that the government didn't have the um, statutory or con- constitutional authority to implement a nationwide moratorium. But, she, but also the issue was, in the interim, there was a stay so that the landlords could not immediately recommence um, evicting folks. Uh, so the judge, there was two parts that are going to be um, appealed. The part that we're spending a lot of energy on right now is the stay. There still might be an opportunity for the government to appeal 
the judge's substantive ruling. And so that's, uh, I hope that kind of clears up some confusion because I've heard from some of you and you want to what the hell's going on? So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of balls in the air uh, right now because in addition to, as I've uh, been trying to focus us on, in addition to whether or not there is a moratoria in effect, whether there's a stay in effect to keep the moratoria in effect until the actual ruling about the moratoria can be decided, then where's all this money and and how come this money isn't going out there? Because I think that if the money would get out there, because it's 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 earmarked for the landlords. And I think if the landlords had the money, they might maybe back off or maybe they wouldn't because lawyers sometimes want a ruling and they want their client to have a choice of either saying, I'll accept this government money or no, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to boot you out of my uh, unit so I can jack up the rent and get get more rent. So these are all the converging issues that uh, lawyers and, 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 and people who are interested in having access to housing and those those who want to make housing available, but they want to be compensated for it. And then there's a mortgage industry that wants the mortgages to be paid. And so that's why this is all kind of confusing, but it's all very important. So having said all that, let me get back on track here. Where things stood was the matter, the uh, stay went around twice. The first time it went around was the initial decision by Judge Friedrich and her desire to leave the stay in place so the government could um, seek out an appeal of her substantive ruling. The landlords took it up the chain, got to the Supreme Court, where uh, Judge Kavanaugh said, although he did not think that the CDC had the right to implement a nationwide moratoria because the moratorium was just about over and he recognized the fact that you know that time those six or seven weeks could be used to push some of that money out the door for that would ultimately go to the landlords so they could pay their mortgages he did not uh, he he convinced the conservatives or however the, the machination worked the stay remained in effect through its natural determina- uh, termination but then on the third um, after there was a lot of pressure political pressure the CDC implemented another uh, 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 moratoria and another uh, uh, issue of not allowing landlords to evict folks that matter uh, is what the Supreme Court recently decided uh, that a stay uh, had to go away uh, because the, in the court's opinion, in the Supreme Court's opinion, the um, the government exceeded its authority. So this is important to young people who want to be lawyers one day. You have to understand that we have three branches of government, and each of them have power that up to a point that's spelled out in a constitution or the interpretation of a constitution or it's spelled out in a statute which another branch of government has to sign off on. The Congress comes up with the statute, the president signs off on it, and then the judicial branch decides if it's constitutional. And so that's what this is about on a very high level. So what is the rationale for the Supreme Court to decide that the moratoria was invalid. 
they take it all back to the statute that the CDC used as the basis for it to implement the, the, um, the moratoria. The courts say that that statute was one that dealt with keeping diseased animals um, and their propensity to spread disease, such as fleas and pests and rodents. And they said, the, the courts say, that the CDC bootstrapped the, um, the, the causal link between that particular statute and the eviction moratoria. Now, some of the justices think that's just fine. There is a, a spread of disease, and maybe it's not the spread of disease that was thought of when this particular statute was implemented back in 1944, but it was a link, a good enough link to give the CDC, whose job is to control the spread of diseases, um, the ability to implement a nationwide moratoria. Okay, so this is what the court, the Supreme Court said on the 26th, its rationale. It said the district court concluded that its stay no longer justified under the governing four-factor test. So when you decide to put a stay and you balance some equities, you look and see who will be harmed the most and who will likely win on the merits. One of these trips around uh, to the Supreme Court, it was believed that although the government was going to possibly lose, it might win. And that was the basis for determining that the stay should be in effect. However, on the second go-around, the Supreme Court thought that no, it was more likely that the landlord slash realtors would win. And so that's the, the baseline of its decision. It said the district court concluded that its stay is no longer justified under the governing four-factor test, uh, and we agree, we being the Supreme Court. The applicants not only have a substantial likelihood of success on the merit, it's difficult to imagine them losing. The government contends that the first sentence in Section 361A, that's that uh, anti-rodent statute of 1944, gives the CDC broad authority to take whatever measures it deems necessary to control the spread of COVID-19, including issuing the moratorium. But the second sentence informs the grant of authority by illustrating the kinds of measures that would be or could be necessary, including inspection, fumigation, disinfectant, sanitation, pest extermination, and destruction of contaminated animals and articles. These measures directly relate to preventing the interstate spread of disease by identifying, isolating, and destroying those diseases itself. The CDC moratorium, on the other hand, relates to interstate infection far more indirectly. If evictions occur, some subset of tenants might move from one state to another and some subset of group might do so while infected. This downstream connection between the uh, eviction and the interstate 
uh, dissemination, spread of disease is markedly different from the direct targeted targeting of disease that characterize the measure identified in the statute. So that's the rationale. The court did not see a strong enough link between the statute that the CDC hung its hat on and what it was that it's trying to do. Now, the liberals, of course, and I have to agree with them, they say that this statute was good enough for the CDC to have uh, prevailed on this matter. And they also don't like the fact that the matter was decided on a summary basis without full briefing and full argument. So I don't think this is the end of the matter, but it might be the end of the situation for some people who have protection staying in their, their property, in their homes, while this is all sorted out by the courts. So we're going to leave it there for now. But always in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including the law dealing with our ability to stay in our homes in the midst of a raging pandemic. But in the meantime, please, please let's get vaccinated until we have herd immunity. And please, even if you are vaccinated, keep your social distance, mask up, and wash your hands. Till next time, take care. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.